Our lifestyles contribute to about 80% of chronic disease. And so you're right, when practitioners can tap into that and empower patients to improve their health in that realm, it's so much more rewarding because a pill doesn't fix everything. It doesn't address the root cause a lot of the times. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm going to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Even though everyone tells you that becoming a mama changes everything, you really can't conceptualize it until you are in it. Now, the biggest shift for me was around my values and how I wanted to show up. See, I quickly realized that my schedule and workload did not align with my values, especially around family, and that I needed to reevaluate my priorities, my schedule, and my life as a whole. And it was a big adjustment. And honestly, it still is at times. Now, on top of becoming a mama, I also feel like the pandemic was another opportunity to look deeper into my purpose and what mattered most. And in that inquiry, I found that I was pretty misaligned in a couple areas of my life, including relationships and time spent working. Because before the pandemic, I worked from 8 a.m. to dinner, which was around 6 p.m. And then after finishing dinner, I would work from 7 p.m. to 10 or 11 p.m. every day of the week. Plus, I would clock somewhere between 10 and 14 creative working hours over the weekend when I wasn't caught up in the day-to-day work activities, meetings, emails, just all the stuff that went on during the week. So this was time that was sacred. It was like my coveted weekend hour time where I got the me time work done. So I always looked forward to it. Let me tell you, I don't work on the weekends anymore. (laughs) Now, I operated like this for years, and then I got pregnant literally during the pandemic, two big events that had me reconsider the way in which I operated on a daily basis. Now, if we were to fast forward today, right, to today, 16 months after Kingston was born, so much has changed with my schedule and it has everything to do with realigning to my values. And therein lies the secret to really aligning your goals to your heart's purpose. It's to get curious and see if your values have changed. And if they have, are they currently represented in the way that you are living your life? Now, when thinking back over these past two years, have you found that your values changed, especially with the pandemic? Are there obligations or tasks or projects that are just not lighting you up? Maybe the way that they used to and that you feel misaligned with your heart and your heart's purpose. Now, for many of us, the pandemic presented an opportunity to get more clear on our values and what mattered most to us. And for some of us, the pandemic opened an opportunity to see what was and what wasn't working for us anymore. Now, in today's conversation with Dr. Benita Fernando, we are going to get vulnerable about letting go of what isn't serving us anymore while trying to forge a new path. Now, as you can imagine, it takes a lot of bravery forging a new path and overcoming that mom guilt, that work guilt, the pressure that you think your family and culture is putting on you, and then trying to figure out how to make it all work. So Dr. Benita Fernando shares her experience from working a crazy full-time OBGYN in a hospital where she's got all kinds of crazy hours and realizing that she was missing out on some of the biggest moments in her family's life. As she checked in with herself, 
she realized that her values had changed and they were not aligned with that crazy schedule anymore. Some of the insights she shares are so powerful and it opens the door for a bigger conversation around following our passion, especially when it feels uncomfortable. Now, before I bring her on, I want to quickly sing her praises. Dr. Fernando, also known as Dr. V, left her traditional career of almost 20 years in obstetrics and gynecology in 2021 to address the broken healthcare system, which currently puts the most resources in treating symptoms when it really needs to address the root causes of disease. She and I both agree on that, that is for sure. Given her desire to serve women in a bigger capacity, the shift was born and she launched her podcast in November 2020, Office Visits with Dr. V, where she not only educates women about gynecological health and how their bodies function, but also about their overall health and well-being. Welcome Dr. V to the show. Hey, one more thing. Did you know that one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that I see in people, especially women, is a magnesium deficiency? It's because we burn through this super mineral so quickly. Now, this powerful mineral packs a massive punch because magnesium is involved in over 600 reactions in the body. Now, it is your best friend if you need more energy, better sleep, a faster metabolism, improved digestion, and not to mention happier periods. And you can quickly replenish your magnesium levels with my essentially whole magnesium restore supplement made with my favorite form of magnesium, magnesium glycinate. Use promo code podcast and get 10% off your entire order at drmarisa.com slash magnesium. Now I'll have the link in the show notes for this episode to make it easy. Go and try it out today. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast. Dr. V, how are you doing today, girl? I am wonderful. I'm wonderful, wonderful. I am seeing you in your hot pink, your hot pink sweater, your lipstick. You are looking (laughs) so good. So, so good. And what I'm so excited to talk about today is living a life of purpose and how you have been able to navigate that with so much ease and grace in this last couple of years. And I know a lot of, for a lot of us, our life, our career, our passion, our purpose has come up for review, especially on the, during the pandemic, on the other side of the pandemic. I want to speak deep into that today about, you know, you having a career and a studious career, an amazing career, and then tapping into your heart's desire and seeing that there was a little miss, like kind of a, a slight misalignment in terms of what you were doing and what your heart was really craving and how you were able to shift that, how you were able to step in in a really brave way and that felt very authentic to you into a new path that is is coming from that heart place and allowing you to show up and serve women at an even greater capacity. So talk to me a little bit about your journey into this and, and kind of what that defining moment was for you, Dr. V, when you were like, huh, like I need to reevaluate what's going on in my life. You said a mouthful. <laughs> You said a mouthful and, you know, it's been decades. I'm an OBGYN and I always wanted to be one. And so my process of actually becoming a practicing OBGYN in private practice, it took 12 years. And sometimes when you start the journey and you're going through the journey, your head is down. But when you finally get to where you have achieved and you've arrived, Sometimes it's not exactly what you thought it was, nor are you the same person that you were at the beginning of the journey. 
And so when I thought about becoming an OBGYN and delivering babies, doing surgery, that's what excited me. But I didn't see that I would be married and that I would have two children. And so that looks very different. A life of service to women looks very different when you have your own family at home that also needs you to be present and needs to be serviced. It was very obvious and very clear that I was going to have a struggle uh, in my first year of practice when my baby boy, he was two, and he fell down and he ran to his dad and he didn't run to me. And it just kind of it broke my heart. But I kind of rationalized it. Well, you know, I'm not here. I'm not here. You know, he's taken care of. He knows mommy loves him. And so I continued my career. So I'm like, what, 15 years in. And that's when I start to question that something's got to change. And COVID actually was really what, you know, pushed me into the into the deep end. You know how when you're you're in the pool and some of us jump right in and others need to be pushed COVID is what pushed me in. And that was really kind of my wake up that, hey, you are working too hard. Um, Your family needs you. My son is going to be out of the house in two years and he's gone. Um, And we have a a smaller daughter. She's 11. We've got more time with her, but I had to do something. The other thing is that my body was sending me signals that I wasn't doing well with the stress. I'm now having to do a lot of dental work because I was grinding my teeth and I broke my teeth. I was getting migraine headaches a lot. I was just under a lot of stress. And so the work that I do is very personal to me. And I like to pour into each and every patient. And I realized that I could help change the system in a way that we could come up to a different level of service for our patients, but also be authentic and provide a great experience for providers. So that's where I am now. And the journey is ongoing. I have not figured it all out yet. So you're catching me at a, at a very exciting time, a very, a very wild ride. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, just stepping into that, you know, into this new adventure, into this new passion. I know, you know, we had the opportunity to connect before as well. And one of the big things that came up is your devotion to your patients, is your devotion to women's health and how you found a path that allows you to continue to serve women or you're figuring out that path while not having to work so hard that you are grinding your teeth at night, you're having these crazy migraines that you probably, you yourself are struggling with some hormone stuff that's popping up, right? Because the overwork, all the things that are happening. Was it in the pandemic where you just got a chance to breathe? I know I know for a lot of doctors, appointments were what um, like annual exams or if they were not emergencies, a lot of things were put on hold. And so I know that that appointments weren't as shoved in as they as they had been in the past. Was that kind of the moment where you got your breathing room? Can you talk a little bit about when when did you kind of see that aha moment of like, oh, wow, like I've been running at such a fast pace for so long and I've had my nose to the grind that I hadn't even had a chance to look up. Now I have this breather and this is what I've learned from it. Yeah, so I was trying to create that before COVID. And so one thing I hated about my interactions with my patients is I had to type in a computer so that I could keep all the information, right? And so now we have what they call medical scribes. And the scribe will allow, she'll allow me to talk with my patient and and type in the information that I don't have to worry about. Okay, so I thought that was gonna be enough, 
My notes were done when I went home, but it wasn't enough. When COVID happened, so we do obstetrics, right? So we have to see our pregnant women. Um, But gynecology stuff, you know, some of that stuff could be managed via televisits and some of it was not as emergent. We were open eight o'clock until one. I was going home at like two and three o'clock. I had never done that before ever. I went to Target. I bought, we bought um, board games. Life was one of the big winners and we were playing together. We were laughing together and it just fed a different part of my soul and my spirit. I was also the only one leaving the house at the time. So remember in the beginning, it was only essential workers and schools were closed. And so I was going out away from my family and I was longing to get back home. Like I was like, let me finish up this part so I can get back to my family. And if I'm being honest, I was working so hard, I couldn't even appreciate the longing for my home and the longing for my family because I'm going from patient to patient to patient, deliveries, surgeries, answering phone calls. And I couldn't even tap into the love, to the love that I have for my family because I hadn't even really interacted with them as much in a, and, and in this way. So that's what I learned from it. Um, definitely my job does not have to be everything. But the way I am, I'm going to show up and I'm going to give 100%. And what I realized is that I wasn't showing up for my family. Oof, that kind of hurts to say that. Well, and I think I think you, in some ways, you were, Dr. V. I mean, you were providing for your family. You were in you know, the, the, the sole contract that you had with your husband, you know. And, and it, at the time, you know, you're working and you're serving all these women. I know. And you probably came home and you were so tired, too. You can imagine. I can't even imagine that kind of schedule of, of, of being there. I, I know so often we can get caught up in the, like, how is the best way that I can serve my family? And, and for women, there's just this tug and pull all the time of, like, showing up, you know, do, one, being an example you know, showing them what's possible and then being the provider and then being the mama. Cause the mama is always the mama. You know what I'm saying? Like always. I, always, I, um, one thing that you mentioned was I was pregnant during the, the pandemic, the heart of it. They weren't canceling my appointments. Let me tell you, everybody else's appointments were getting canceled, but my little pregnant booty was all up in that doctor's office all the time. It felt like all the time I must've gone to like 20 visits. And then what was really crazy is, um, I have an amazing nanny downstairs and my son is going through this phase as, as um, all babies do where they really, he just is like, mama, that's the only thing I want right now. Uh, before I got jumped on this interview with you, I had to go pump or I'm still breastfeeding and I could right. see Kingston was in the kitchen having lunch um, with our nanny. And I knew that if he saw me, he would want out of that high chair. He would want me to hold him and he was going to have a fit if I walked away. So I like, I was like, Psst, like I was trying to signal her from the staircase, like get my pump stuff so he does not see me, you know? And so it was this whole orchestra of things of like trying to navigate showing up to do this with you. This is what I love. But then, you know, and also, you know, not firing off his stress response system because mom just walked in and walked out in like three seconds. He, he's- I know. That's that's a wonderful story. I love it. Yes. The push in the pool of being a mother. Yeah. Yeah. It does change, though, when they get older and they, they don't need you as much. But yeah, that's the funny thing. They still do need you. They will always need you. They will always need you, but just in a different way. I love that. I love that. 
Yeah, I just think about like, you know, we I know we can be so hard on ourselves because it, it is, I have not found, and I know that every anyone will tell you there's no balance. I live in it, I have not found it. You know, there are days where yes. days where I'm just like, you know what, I just really need to spend time with him, my son. And then there are other days where I'm like, I really just want to be in my work. And right. it fluctuates. Like I have found a lot of happiness and balance within it, but it's constantly shifting is what I mean mm-hmm. to say. And I, I've heard it said that there's not balance, there's harmony. And I really see that our life can be full and we can be mom and we can work and we can have it all, you know, as they say, but not at the same time. How I got off balance, I wasn't aligned with my values. Family was very important for me, but also connection. That's why I like my patients. I like to connect with them, but I wasn't even connecting with my own family members. And but yes, I was providing for my family because our situation, we we wanted to be active in our children's lives and we wanted one at least one of us to be free for them. And we didn't want a nanny. And so I made a great salary. And so my husband, God bless him, he was comfortable being the stay at home dad. And I was comfortable being the provider because I've 12 years of training, right? This is what I've worked for. But I really wasn't honest with myself as far as how much I needed to be present physically. And, you know, I tried to, and I'll say this, I don't, you know, I want to help other physicians who are burnout and who maybe need to make a transition. I tried to do part-time because I knew it needed to be addressed, but part-time And I'm sure you have the same issue as a physician. Part-time is not, you might be not paid as much, but still the same amount of time is required, right? So you have to still do the notes and it's not like you punch a clock and you're done. It's funny, I made that decision and that didn't work either. And when I started talking to some other OBGYNs, they're like, oh yeah, I could have told you that. (laughs) But I I just love it. I mean, it's it's a different time. Like the phase that you're in is boots on the ground 24-7, like you (laughs) 24-7. And it evolves and it evolves. But one thing that doesn't really change is, is your values. I mean, they may change a little bit, but who you are at the core is the same. I agree. I agree. And I think it's so important. And I think that for many of us during the pandemic, although, you know, and I think all women, whether it's physicians or it is women who are running their own businesses or, you know, in a lot of different frames, any of us can look at that when we were in the pandemic and see things were up for review for us, especially around our values that, you know, for years we may not have seen what was going on. We were just going through the motions. And for many of us, you know, our careers, our business, our purpose, the work that we were doing in the world, it felt super great. But then maybe there were other things that were falling to the wayside that we just didn't have our eye on and that we were able to really look at at a deeper level during the pandemic because all of a sudden we had that that expansion, that opportunity to breathe. And one of the things that I know to be true is that things will keep coming up for review until you address it. Until you get it right. Exactly. And that's why COVID, you know, it was it was horrible for so many, um, but such a blessing for others, because like I said, I've been trying to work on this and I was trying to do part time and I was working three and a half days a week and I was trying to make it work and it just wasn't working. But what I realized, I, I just spoke with my coach this morning and she said, you know, two years ago today, I said what I want to create 
in healthcare is what's missing. That's what I want to provide. And so are there ways that women who are burnt out or who are trying to balance family can do both? And can we make it easier? And so there's there's something called job sharing, which, you know, I didn't have it at my company, but you all can basically share a position. As, as a physician who has to take call, who has to do surgery, who has to see patients, you all share one position. So you truly can be part-time. In my research, there are a lot of ways that, that we can help women live in harmony, be mom, be professional, and still uh, provide value in both areas. And so that, that's where I'm going next. I'm, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the system because burnout is real, not just in medicine, like you just said, it's, it's in every industry. And when you speak to people who don't live in America, the woman doing my nails, she was from Germany. She got two years off, paid. <laughs> to have her baby. To have her baby, to have her baby. And her husband got time off. And I know it's a fight and I, I know there's a balance. But as of now, we get six weeks. We get six weeks, 12 weeks, baby. When we hit six weeks, around this time, a little, little before this time last year, and I remember that defining moment of six weeks, my baby was still extremely helpless. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, talk about like nothing, like all of a sudden, six weeks in one day, you had a different baby. You know what I'm saying? And I was mind blown. It's one thing to conceptualize that or theorize that. And it's another thing to be in the trenches at six weeks and think, you've got to be kidding me. Not even 90 days is appropriate, not even six months. Maybe your baby is finally crawling at six months. You know what I'm saying? Like barely escaping from you. We do such a disservice to women, you know, those who want to, you know, stay home with their families or those who want to spend more time with our families. You know, I, I have a lot of friends that are, are pregnant, about to have a baby right now, and their partners can take maybe three days off. I'm like, three, three days. And there is no way I'm an obstetrician. And like I said, I know my patients. You have a woman who has a history of depression and you're going to leave her with a newborn baby. She's a first time mom and dad's going back in a week and she has no support. That's the other thing. You know, there, uh, there are some cultures where the women, the pregnant women have a lot of help around them. Unfortunately, you know, here, most women have their mother or mother-in-law, but they don't have a whole a huge tribe. And if you have your mother-in-law, it's for a week, maybe, or two. Really, a lot of the problems that we see, we could help on a system level. Giving the dad more paternity leave so the mom isn't burnt out can help with postpartum depression. I have seen it. One patient who, with one pregnancy, she was completely depressed. But now her husband's there, the family's there. She's not depressed. It just bothers me because things have to change on a system level. It's just little old me. I feel like sometimes, and, and not that it is, but there are people doing great work. But the system has to change and it will. It will. And I think COVID, I, I don't care who you are. COVID has taught us, as, as you said, let's just take a deep breath and let's figure this thing out. So, and I, I'm so glad Dr. Marisa, that you are talking about this, because when I decided to leave, people pulled me aside and whispered. They didn't ask out loud. I even got text messages. How are you going to do it? How are you going to make it? Because they wanted it too. 
They want to leave too. They're exhausted. They're burned out. That was so the reason why I was excited to have you on, Dr. V, was your, I want to just speak into how brave you are. There are a lot of people who things came up for review in the pandemic and were in, and, and they wanted change, but they weren't sure how to make change happen. You really decided to align with your heart and align with your values. And I know you knew that there was going to, there was a way to make it work. And I think that's a big, the big lesson in this conversation too, is that there's always a way to make it work. Things came up for review for you. You loved your career, but you wanted to be with your family and you had a vision for what we could do for women as well. And you navig- you're navigating how to make all of that work for you. And as a side benefit, you're such a massive contribution to women as yeah. a whole. Thank you for saying that. I feel that. Yes, yes. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. And it is so funny. There are other people who have made a shift in other industries and everything we have in common is that we should have done it sooner. One of the first things I did, I was speaking at a retreat in the mountains. That sounds so sexy. It was beautiful. I wasn't at the office and I was still connecting with women, which I love to do. And I, I made a post. I said, is this what I was afraid of? Is this what I was afraid of? This sexy life right here? And it's my life. You know, I'm like, I sometimes I'm pinching myself. The stay-at-home mom part, I haven't quite figured that part out. Like, Talk to us a little bit about that because I know... The journey of it, because you and your your husband, your partner had had an agreement around, like you had said, you always wanted someone home with, with the kids. And he was like, you know what? You're the queen bee. You know how to do what you do. And you know what? I want to honor that. I just want to celebrate him for a hot minute. You know what I'm saying? Craig Renato. Craig Renato. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And you were like, you know man. what? You're right. I do, do know what I'm doing. And I am handling business. <laughs> Let me continue to go do that until things came up for review and and you guys have, you guys shifted things a little bit. Talk to me a little bit about that and what that journey has looked like for you or felt like for you. So I would probably give myself an A as a physician and as a homemaker, probably a C. I can be hard on myself, but I mean, I knew, I knew being a stay at home mom was tough and I saw what he would do. He's very structured and he has routines. And really, that's all I have. Once I figure out the routine, I'm going to get it. But he's at work now. And our kids go to a charter school. They don't ride the bus. So we take them and we pick them up. And that window of time seems like it goes by. It's probably six hours, maybe. It feels like two. From picking them up to, yeah, taking them to school and picking them up from school. It, it's just like, it just disappears like that. It goes away. And so there's laundry, there's dinner, there's making phone calls, there's paying bills. And he did all of that. And then he still pitches in, but he's working now. And, um, you know, I want to be that person when he comes home, I've got dinner ready and I've done it sometimes and I feel really good. And sometimes I haven't. But I'm going to give myself some grace. Um, But what I will say to be transparent is that he said I I was about to get fired. (laughs) 
So I think I better get to work and maybe hire somebody. So absolutely. Well, I want to speak into that too, because, you know, like I think about you're still doing the work as, you know, as an OBGYN as well. Like let's, let's not get it twisted just because he went back to school full time. You're still doing back to work full time. You're still doing your work too. And you're taking on the household as well. I'll be honest with you. Yes, I can, I can clean my house. I am super organized. I, I do not like thing. I do not like clutter. You know, I also, I work a lot, you know, and my time is precious. I want to spend time with my son. And so we do have people right. who come and help us out a little bit, you know, to just kind of ease the household a little bit. And it has been so, so worth it. We've, we've never gone back on that. And, and we've been able to continue that. We have different values around what clean looks like. And you know what I'm saying? Like, and um, how everything should run in the household. And I've always known that. And so I'm like, okay, well, how do we solve this problem? We just have someone who helps us a little bit. And I I'll be honest with you, since I've been married for seven years, I have I don't think I've ever put dinner on the table. <laughs> My husband, Alex loves to cook. He loves it. And it is, you know, and it's a, a, his opportunity for creativity. It's opportunity to, to let go of work for a minute. Um, we work together in our business. And so I'm a workhorse, you know, I'm probably like you, like I could just yeah. nose the ground. Like my favorite time is getting it done. And Alex is like, miss me with that. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather go cook a sexy dinner. And I'm like, are you cool with me working while you cook a sexy dinner? Cause that's how I operate. So I, I, I feel like there's still even more grace for you here. You know what I'm there, saying? There is. And and where that expectation came from, it didn't come from him. It's really in my head and what I feel like I want to be able to provide. So yeah, it's, it's really getting comfortable with who you are. And it, I am still evolving. And like you said, I'm going to give myself some grace. So thank you for that. Uh, but it's fun. It's fun to figure this out. You know, okay, yeah, maybe I'm not the best housekeeper. Hey, let's get some help. Asking for help is not a problem. It's not a problem. So I'm really excited for your listeners out there. Just planting the seed to say, hey, if you burn out, you need some help, ask for it and just be clear on what you want. Just be clear on what you want and what you need, what you need. But um, my, I will say my husband and I are definitely opposites. We complement each other, I guess is a better way to say that. Um, and our kids uh, can benefit from that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for this new new part of my journey. And I'm sure your kids are loving your way of parenting. Maybe the strict schedules or the, the routines. I mean, there's a lot of wonderful, wonderful benefits to these things as well, but maybe, maybe they're, they're, they're loving a little bit of the mama energy. <laughs> so, so let me just tell you this. And I know people, women who were working outside of the home and their husbands were at the house. Let me just tell you, I was working, right. And I would come home and they're in remote school and homework wasn't done. So he had his his routines, but remote learning was really tough. Oh, on everybody. He was a little bit more relaxed about that. And I was like, well, they've got to, you know, they've been out of school and they've got to do the work. So I would work at, at, you know, nine, the nine to five, as you will, and then come home and I had to do the homework and make sure all of these things that I thought were getting done during the day. Oh, you mean your your second job? 
the second job. And I was like starting to resent it a little bit, if I'm being honest. Um, And so, yeah, it's funny that you say that. I think they like me being home, but I'm a little bit more of a stickler for for the school, uh, the academics and getting the homework done. And so they don't like that part. No surprise. The the mama who went to med school to become a doctor is a little bit of a stickler on the education piece. (laughs) The mama who spent over a decade in school. When you put it like that, yeah, no surprise, right? But I'm not type A, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Not in me neither. Me neither. And, and you know, and I know you mentioned earlier kind of just that being hard on yourself. And you think about the, the discipline that you've had and the standards that you've had for yourself. And when, we, when we've had those deep beliefs and those deep, deep ways that we operate in life and it's gotten us so far, it's no wonder it transcends into the next thing too, right? The, the, just being the mamahood stuff of it. And it's hard, it's, an, it, it's hard to do the unlearning of that as well, because that is what got you to where you're at. Where I am. You are so good. Uh, But you know what? That's what I love about children. They will, they will let you know. And the older they get and, you know, their brain starts to kick in and put things together. They can articulate it really well when you're doing too much. Mm. And, And I mean, it comes out like this isn't fun. Mm. This isn't fun. Or you're making me feel X, Y, Z. And so we we have that relationship, especially my daughter. She'll tell me. And so I'm evolving and I'm learning and I, I'm learning to pull back. I'm learning to pull back because it, it should be fun. It should be fun some of the time, not all of the time, but some of the time. So I agree. I mean, I agree. I mean, that's we think about what the purpose of life or what's the purpose of us being here. And I, I cue into that all the time. And I, I, I feel like my biggest work here is to serve women, period. But I also, I mean, I also, I do that because I want women to show show up the best of the way that they can and with love and happiness and joy and energy and all of that. You can't transcend that and help other people in that realm if it's not happening for you and your own. For you and your life. Exactly. Exactly. Very well said. Very well said. And what I've learned, because when I stepped out of medicine, I'm like, I'm going to change the system. Now what I've realized is that I need to help the other women in the system who have also the same agency, they have the same access to agency, that I can help them figure it out for themselves. And then together, all of us can provide better service for our patients. Uh, And so the system is going to need to change from the inside out. And so I'm I'm really excited about about helping women with burnout to figure it out so that they can, in your words, show up as the best version of themselves um, and give what their purpose to give so that the system will benefit from it all. Well, you are such a blessing in that way. And I love that new purpose. I love that new mission. And you're absolutely right. Like the practitioners need it too. All of us are needing it. And yes, it is an inside out approach in terms of how we shift medicine and how we shift how we care for our patients and how we address the root cause, you know, conditions that we see every single day. And more and more doctors are waking up to that. Every single day, more and more doctors are like, well, you know what, this, this whole A to C approach 
my patients aren't getting better. There's got to be something else to this. You know, no prescription pad is going to fix burnout. Not that I'm not, not one I ever found. <laughs> well, look, some people would say Lexapro and Zoloft, but again, that's not the root cause. You know, that is not the root cause and you're putting a Band-Aid. And we haven't talked much about that, but what also helped me pivot was my introduction to lifestyle medicine. And so helping people focus on the basics, you know, nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress management, relationships. Spirituality. Yeah, spirituality. Like our lifestyles contribute to about 80% of, of chronic disease. And so you're right. When practitioners can tap into that and empower patients to improve their health in that realm, it's so much more, more rewarding. Because a pill doesn't fix everything. It doesn't address the root cause a lot of the time. So, so yeah, I'm excited. And what I know one of your endeavors that you've been doing for a little while now is your podcast. Talk to me a little bit about, yeah. about that. Yeah. So, again, <laughs> I was trying to figure this thing out because I wanted to educate my patients. And I just didn't feel like I had the time. And I'm saying all of this to say, because this will make sense why I created the podcast. But there are things that if we knew about our bodies as women, we wouldn't have to pay a $30 copay to come in and have Dr. V tell them, oh, that's normal. Oh, that's normal. And so I started the podcast to address those issues, some basic OBGYN conditions um, that I see commonly. And as I learned more about lifestyle medicine, I've started to incorporate that into the podcast. So um, I talk about things that people don't talk about, like cervical mucus and heavy periods, herpes, my favorite episode, but the lowest rated. <laughs> it's the least downloaded. But I talk about those things. But I also talk about, you know, depression and mental health. All those things that I think if we can address, that it will provide a better life for anyone who listens to it, women and girls, women and girls. And so it's called Office Visits with Dr. V, um, and it is dedicated to um, helping women be happy and healthy. Love it. Well, Dr. V, I want to wrap up um, with a couple of quick fire questions, and I'm super excited to see what you have to say. Um, question number one is, what is one thing you are deeply grateful for right now? Oh my gosh, this is a quick fire, but we got in an accident yesterday and a car accident, and I am grateful to be alive I am just grateful to be alive. The path that we took, we kind of spun around and didn't hit anybody. Um, and my two children are in the car and um, I'm just grateful for my life. It's I have a new appreciation for that. I hear that. We, a year ago, yesterday, we were in a car accident with our, at the time, Kingston was two and almost three months old and um, the car was totaled out. We had got slammed into by a, a truck that didn't realize we were in a turning lane, stopped. And um, it was one of the most scary moments of my life. Um, so I was in the backseat. Because, you know, new mamas, I'm always in the backseat with my baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm right there with him, yeah, in the middle seat. And my husband got a really terrible concussion, and the car was completely totaled out. And I didn't realize it was literally a year ago, almost a day, day ago. It's just you know, so grateful for us to be alive, so grateful to have the care that we got, yeah. but, and so grateful that nothing had happened to Kingston, but that, yeah, like it just is such a great reminder of how precious life is. Were you okay? I was, luckily I was in the middle seat, so I got some whiplash. I have neck stuff 
already. But because my husband had, you know, the top where your head is, he slammed into that. And so he ended up getting a concussion. And so we went, did all kinds of things for him for several months to heal that up. But we were in care for a long time, you know, trying to get that all. But I think it's just the shock of it. Like I remember, you know, calling the pediatrician, doing, you know, a multi-point check on the baby, you know, making sure, trying to figure out it's a Sunday, figuring out if we need to bring him into the ER or not. Like, you know, just so crazy. And so um, just having that moment of of gratitude. So I feel you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. What was something you've done that made you extremely happy in the last week? <laughs> so I'm just coming back from a trip uh, from St. Lucia. And um, look, I said, yes, that made me happy because I wasn't going to go. I jumped into the ocean. Nice. I'm always one of those people that dips my toe in toe by toe, but I just jumped right in. And um, my motto now is I'm trying to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so, yeah, so I, that, that made me happy. Oh, I love that. I just want to take a moment and celebrate you comfortable and getting uncomfortable. You know what? It's in the discomfort that the magic happens. The magic. Yes. Very good. I like that. What's one thing about you that surprises people? You know, I I am not as confident on the inside as they think I am. I, I too, like anybody else, I have insecurities. You talk about being brave and leaving, um, but I didn't think that I could do it. And I didn't know what else I, I could do which was completely crazy. So yeah, my having insecurity, people are often surprised to know that. I don't, my, my cape <laughs> might have a few holes in it. Dr. V, yeah. the cape is on. And, oh. but yeah, I feel, I feel you. And you know, it's such an interesting thing, fear. And, and we talked about this before, but like, I think a lot of times fear comes up because what we're heading to, what we want is, means so much to us. It means so much. And it's just like, I don't want to mess this up. And so, but look, you, whether despite the insecurities, despite the fear the, in your face, you just, you just keep taking the leap. That's right. I'm jumping in with both feet. Mm-hmm, like that ocean. Like the ocean. <laughs> what book or film has recently had a big impact on you and why? Oh man. So on the way down there, I watched King Richard and it was the story of Serena and Venus, or it was their father. But what had an impact is that from the very beginning, they were playing tennis in Compton, but he always said they're going to be number one in the world. Like before he had any, I mean, he knew they were good, but before anybody would invest a dime of their time or their money he believed that they were were number one and they became number one, but he never, he never wavered. Like I was greatest of all time. Yep. The greatest of all time. And he said it, he said it, he said Venus would be number one and Serena would be the greatest of all time. And that's exactly what happened. And because he believed it, it came true. And so that's, I'm holding on to that. I'm holding on to that. I have a a dear friend of mine who always talks about, not about your future self, because you're going to have a future self. That's happening. It's about your vision self. How do you step into your vision self? 
And because that is who you want to become, right? That's who your future, future self is going to happen, you know, and it can go all kinds of ways, you know, and it may not go the way that you want if you don't have the belief or the vision in place. I cannot wait to see this movie. I've been waiting on to see this movie for so long. And so I'm so glad you mentioned it again. It's such a great reminder, but that he had a vision self for his girls, and for, and for him and his, and the family, and wow, talk about, I mean, probably realized beyond his greatest imagination or dreams. I mean, so my mama, my mama's favorite person in the whole world is Serena Williams. Let me tell you, <laughs> loves, she's like, Serena's on all the time. We come over, Serena's on, Serena's playing. You know, my mom's gone around the whole world watching Serena Williams play. Oh, good for her. She has to see this story. I didn't know that they were, I don't want to say impoverished, but, you know, it was a two bedroom house and it was five girls and Venus and Serena were sleeping in the same. I'm like, like it was, there's no reason that they should have thought that they could be where they are today coming from where they came from, but they did. And they are, that's been amazing to watch. That's yeah. I can't wait to, I can't wait. Oh, okay. And the last question, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your 18 year old self? Yeah. Like what my kids tell me, you know, let's have some fun. Yes. (laughs) Let's have some fun. 18. I was very clear. I wanted to be a doctor and I was, I had a path and I was sticking to it and I went straight through. And so Now that I reach the end, there are people who have traveled more and have other experiences. And those are things that I want to have that honestly, you know, it's better to travel the world when you're don't have small children. Anybody who's traveled with kids, just the stroller and the car seats alone (laughs) can, can bring it down for you sometimes. But just exploring and saying, you know, I don't know why I felt like I could only be a doctor like I had to go straight through. And so I, I would tell tell 18-year-old Benita, take the road less traveled. Everybody's being a biology major and everybody's going straight through, but follow your heart and have some fun and explore the world along the way. Mm. I know. I remember when this question came up, I was like, oh, girl, yes, yes, because that was me. A hundred percent. I was like, stay on the path. Do not let anyone deter. I don't know. I, I don't know if someone gave me advice of like, do not deviate. You need to stay on this path. And and it was, I don't know if it was tied to a lack of worthiness or what, or maybe it was, I was afraid that I wasn't going to be disciplined enough, but like, I, I, I just went straight through. And I, and I remember telling you that I, I literally took three days off, you know, between school and in and, and my first job as a biochemist, and then between that and then heading off to become a doctor, three days. I gave myself three days. I would quit on a Friday, and I would start school or start the next thing on a Monday. And I remember, I remember meeting people as I'm working to become a doctor, and they were like, oh, yeah, I lived in Barcelona for a year. Oh, yeah, I did this and this and this and that. And I was like, What? You could do that? No one told me you could do that. Nobody told me. Everyone told me to just stay the path. And so it wasn't, I didn't even look up until I was almost in my 30s of like, oh, 
And yeah, we just took Kingston. I took the baby to LA just for a couple of days. And people are always so, so amazed. You know, we met up with friends and they're just like, you guys make it look so easy. I was like, Mm-mm. I mean, it's so great to get to be there and bring the baby and do the things. But like, no, we're on his nap schedule. We're, where are his snacks at? Did someone got the stroller? Someone needs to sit in the car while he's sleeping. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it may look okay from the outside, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes. I, I am not the most structured person, but you have got to be organized because you will be out there with no change of clothes and no diapers and trying to figure out what the heck you're going to do. So yeah, yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Making it look easy. I tell you. (laughs) Goodness. I'm not trying to, I really am not. That's never my intention. We took him to see dinosaurs in LA and, you know, like we want him to have these experiences, but yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of effort and work that goes on the you know, behind the scenes to make all that happen. You know, yeah. So travel, if, if you're listening to this and you ain't got no kids yet, if, if there's anything you got from this part of the conversation is go and travel now without children because it's, it's, it's so much harder. And why right, we didn't say it was impossible. Remember that listeners, it's not impossible, but, but it is, it is more of a challenge for mm-hmm. sure. Exactly. Like you, n- there's no just grabbing your purse and running out the door. You know what I'm saying? There's no, there's no just making sure you had your wallet and you can get on a plane. And no, none of that anymore. And so it's a whole thing. It, anyway. All right, my Dr. V, honey, it was such a pleasure to have you on. My, you were such an inspiration. And I hope that this conversation just really is that little, that little flicker of a, of a light, of a moment that has people just bringing up their values and their purpose and their heart into review. Because what you have taught us today is that it it is absolutely possible once you align with what feels right to you. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for doing the work uh, that you're doing. And you're modeling, you're modeling exactly what we're talking about today. And you're not keeping it a secret. You're not, you're being honest. It's not easy. It's hard, but it's rewarding. And so the more that we talk about it and we're really honest about our experiences, um, I I think we as women will kind of (sighs) be able to take a breath and say, hey, it's, it's okay. Most people are not perfect. Matter of fact, nobody is. Nobody. And so, nobody. Yeah, so thank you for thank you for for doing your work. I appreciate that. Mm, you too. You too. Thank you, Dr. V. Have an amazing day. All righty. Bye bye. Ooh, there is so much that I resonate when it comes to Dr. V sharing her journey and her story. I want to know: Did you also see some of yourself in her journey? There are definitely moments in our life when we need to reevaluate what's working for us according to our values and what really matters most to us. For me, prioritizing family and my health was just as important as my purpose to show up and serve women. Now, if you've ever sat down and had a chance to write down your values, I highly recommend going back and looking at those. But if you haven't ever sat down and wrote out your values, I recommend taking 30 minutes to an hour go out in nature, just get away from the house and jot down your top five values for yourself and your family. I'll tell you what, when you get so clear on what your values are, you begin to look at your life in a different lens and reevaluate what really matters. Now I'll tell you, I have values for myself, for my family and for my business. 
And it's important to me that I come from my values when I'm making decisions. I mean, that's the best place we can come from, right? I come from my values of joy. I come from my values of family. I come from my values of health. Like these are the things that super matter. And what I find is when I come from my values, whether if it's in my business or it's in my family, that it is how I can show up with the utmost integrity and play full out. So anytime I am looking at how I'm living life, I'm looking at how I'm operating in relationships, it's always coming from my values. And I wanna know how am I showing up when I'm coming from that value? And I often cross-examine a lot of my life in accordance to my values, because if it's not aligned with my values, well then it's just not a fit. So I just wanted to share with you a little bit about my process. That first step was just getting really crystal clear on what matters most now and how can I reframe the way that I'm living my life to honor the things that matter most to me. So I hope that helps in your own journey, in your own beautiful life. As always, thank you so much for listening in today on the Essentially You podcast. This show is about providing tools to rock your hormones and feel amazing in your body. If there is someone that needs to hear this today, holler at them, take a screenshot, send them a text message, or share it on social media. And when you share the episode, please hashtag hormone CEO. Until the next episode, have an amazing day.